Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Muddy News Media. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule in association with Football Manager. I'm Kate Orsay, briefly popping inside for some sunshade and a bit of chat. It's uh, the Sunshine Band themselves joining me today, as ever, Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen. Hello, ladies. Hello. You can't see this, but I'm wearing yellow. Oh, lovely. We have got a bit of a sun theme to the show today. Hayley, you are a great lover of the sun. Responsible sunning, of course. I'm guessing that you've spent a lot of your... Well, in fact, listen, time outside, yes. But I want to know what the progress report is on this huge summer house thing that's going up at the bottom of your garden, built almost just with the bare hands of your fiance. Yes, it arrived from Holland on a trailer. It was flipping huge we carried every single piece of wood from the car park next door belonging to the pub over the fence to the back of our garden that took two days oh my gosh managed to borrow a concrete mixer from a neighbor mixing our own concrete and ballast (laughs) and building this house from scratch it arrived with ikea style instructions about 180 pages long i saw the video Haley. that's not even ikea that's worse I mean, at least IKEA give you a little bit of an idea of what to do, but I just, I just couldn't. It was like a giant jigsaw puzzle with no corners, no straight edges, Mm -hmm. and no variance in the colour of the pieces. Is it up? I mean, have you been able to do much with it? It is up. What? Yeah, there are windows and there's going to be a door. Um, The roof will be done today, and then obviously all the finishing touches and the structural work will take a little while longer. We're going to build a little bit of decking off the back Mm. of it as well, you know, because we get a bit of sun at the bottom of the garden post five o'clock. Well, it sounds delightful. Um, So, girls, I have a bit Mm, of an update. I've had the the first person in our household who had someone inside since lockdown, but not a great story. It was a locksmith because. Um, I came out of my my office door um, yesterday. The door slammed behind me. The handle fell off on the other side and I couldn't get back in. (laughs) Had the handle been loose for quite some time? And did you rue the fact that you... No, okay. No. So it came as quite a shock. It was a real freak incident. And then um, we'd also accidentally left the key in the back door so that wouldn't open. Oh, a very expensive affair then, indeed. Um, Did you manage to catch any of the Bundesliga? We've all picked a team. I've got Dortmund, Lindsay, you've got Schalke, Hayley, you've got Frankfurt. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I seem to have picked the best one already. Um, Hayley, what about Frankfurt? How did they get on? Do you know, I... I'd forgotten that they were even playing and I just managed to switch the television on. The match had just started and I'd realised, oh, it's actually Eintracht Frankfurt. And the reason I knew, because, of course, I'd done a little bit of studying last week with the podcast and remembered what the stadium looked like. And it was weird because you're just kind of sitting there knowing a game is going to be kicking off, like waiting for the fans. It's almost like, oh, I've tuned in an hour too early. There's nobody in there yet. It was very strange. And then, of course, you saw players with their masks on and whatnot. And, um, yeah, within uh, within seconds, they were one nil down. Yep. Oh, mm. at Lindsay, we had a local derby on our hands. Um, fair to say that Schalke were, weren't were great, were they? Their goalkeeper was um, 
was not oh, the best. He he didn't have the best afternoon. It, no. They, they were love... pretty rubbish. I mean, yeah. they were very static, I thought, compared to Borussia Dortmund. But in um, terms of atmosphere, there was oh. no fake crowd noise pumped in, was there? And I, and I guess that, you know, players and officials are going to have to be really careful what they say cause, because you can hear it all. And the thing that we... we probably knew already is what is sport without the fans and that is the answer that's what you get I mean I I enjoyed watching a bit of sport from from the point of view of not having seen any for a long time but did I enjoy the experience of watching it fully no not without the fans we're going to go into the show because so much has happened this week in terms of lines surrounding coronavirus and the COVID-19 pandemic too much to talk about all in one go but here's a quick update Premier League clubs have returned to non contact training as of Tuesday this week that followed mass testing which threw up its own news lines six positive coronavirus tests out of 748 including Watford player Adrian Mariapa who had no idea at all that he had it um, Troy Deeney has said that he is not going to report back to training at Watford as his five-month-old has respiratory problems and there's an increased risk to BAME males as well and Gallo Cante's also cited similar reasons he doesn't want to return Talking of returns, I'll move on to the WSL, top flight of women's football. It looks highly unlikely to return. We had a statement out last week just sort of talking about the fact that there was no immediate decision, but it it essentially doesn't look good. And I think if you speak to any women's football journalist out there, they will tell you that it is pretty much a foregone conclusion. But there's a few details to iron out. Um, We also heard this week, Hayley, that the Scottish Premiership's now officially ended. I'm going to be asking you about that in our first topic and the different ramifications um, and how tricky it is really to call time on a season. Lindsay, just circling back to the WSL, do you think that they'll suffer the same fate as the Scottish Premiership. Do you think anything will stop that league from finishing as we currently are? No, unfortunately, I, th- I think that's the way it's going. Everything that you see is looking towards that direction. I think they've been pretty near on announcing it, but apart from being official, um, they said that they had some ongoing talks. What I think is that if you can bring any football back, then why not bring back the WSL? I don't get the reasoning why some football can apparently go ahead and some can't. It's the same sport. So my... Is it just simply too expensive, though, to bring in all the restrictions that Premier League clubs are having to work to rightly? But is that just simply too much of a headache, too expensive for WSL clubs to be able to support? And that is what will be levelled at the women's game, yeah. But, you know, why Why is that still the case? Women's sport generally tends to suffer more in these situations because of finances. And that's mm. the sad, harsh reality to it. Um, and, and the actual other part of this is the sports side, where we have one of the most exciting title races. It's much yeah, more exciting title race in WSL than it is in the Premier League, even. So... I find it really difficult to justify one starting over another and not being given the same opportunities. Yeah. For those of our listeners who don't regularly follow the WSL, it's basically between Chelsea and Manchester City and it depends how it's worked out as to who takes that title. But it's it's been such a good season. It's been full of so many headlines in terms of attendances. Um, we've seen the quality get so much better again. We've seen world-class signings like Sam Kerr. It is tragic, but, but, it, but interestingly, a lot of players have said they don't want it to return either. And I think that that will be key behind any decision. Um, 
Hayley, seeing Troy Deeney's comments and the test results this week, where are you at with the return of the Premier League? Gosh, it's such a difficult one, isn't it? Because we're all just kind of stuck between, yes, we want to see live sport. I'm sure a lot of the players who've been training really hard and probably making sure they adhere to kind of, you know, a balanced diet and going through training regimes at home and missing out on things with their kids and stuff or actually avoiding homeschooling, um, <laughs> are just chomping at the bit to want to get back. They've been trying to keep fit, which is actually a little bit easier than, than, than normal, isn't it, right now? Because the weather's just been so glorious that they can do that in their huge back gardens in most of their mansions. Um, They probably want to get back playing, most of them, but nobody wants to do it if there's a risk, if there's just a handful of players that don't want to do it. You have to absolutely respect their wishes. I'm almost at the point now where, because I feel like I'm on a summer holiday in this lockdown, although we're just holidaying in the garden, that it's like, it's been and done. It's been so long now. Yeah, it's it, like, it, let's, let's just forget it, it and just start like up next the, season. Yeah, it actually feels like the point in the year when sort of football's coming to an end anyway, doesn't it? Because of the heat, I suppose. Um, all right, well, lots to be decided there. And of course, the um, potential start date for the Premier League um, is also expected to be moved back as well, um, certainly towards the end of June. Let's progress onto the show and some great topics uh, for you. A reminder, first of all, though, that we're on Jack Radio every Friday from four o'clock. Well, a sunshine-filled show today, ladies, as we celebrate the glorious British spring that we've all been soaking up this week. What lovely temperatures. Uh, And that means that each topic has a sun theme, Okay, So uh, we're going to be talking about players with a sunny disposition after Erling Haaland's uh, non-interview went viral this week. And we're going to be creating a sunshine 11. So this is just, you know, sun-related players' names. It's it's, it's basically where Lindsay excels, isn't it, Lindsay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, honestly, I struggle. But I think I've got a couple of good ones. Which is a bad sign, everyone, if you're listening. Um, But before all of that, uh, let's get talking the summer of nine. Well, as we've mentioned, this week has seen the end of the Scottish Premiership decided on a points-per-game basis. This gives Celtic their ninth title in a row, hence the topic name, Summer of 69, uh, and relegating Hearts in the process. But had just one match result differed, then we'd be waving goodbye to St Mirren instead. Ouch. Hayley, just explain how this has happened. Goodness me. Well, things obviously were so tight at the bottom of the table um, and with eight games to go, there was still so much to play for. It was um, the last domestic game that was played north of the border and it was St Mirren who played Hearts, in fact, and they won 1-0. It was at Jonathan Abika and his uh, goal, which has basically relegated Hearts and saved St Mirren because had the result been reversed, then St Mirren would have been the ones relegated because that's um, by virtue of of having scored fewer goals. So that's how they worked it out. It meant that Hearts finished bottom of the table. The game almost shouldn't have gone ahead. It was one of those at touch and go at the time as we were about to head into um, lockdown and things weren't looking too good up there. But yeah, average points per game was used to determine these final placings um, up in Scotland. You know, actually, 
as you say, there was a huge debate about whether the game should go ahead. In fact, people, punters attending the game, were told that if they were found coughing at the turnstiles, they wouldn't be let in retrospectively. (laughs) That feels so wrong. So big argument there that the game just shouldn't have gone ahead in the first place. Um, I want to talk tight relegation battles, actually, because it always adds in a bit of extra spice, doesn't it, at the end of the season, particularly if the title's a foregone conclusion and someone's comfortably won at the top. Give me one of your favourite relegation battles, uh, Lindsay. I looked at the Premier League as a whole, first of all, and I wondered how many times it had come down to goal difference. I could remember three, but actually there were five occasions that it came down to goal difference. Um, 95-96, and then 2007-2008. And the one that I'm going to talk about, which was the very first season of the Premier League, the one that Manchester United won back in 1993. But at the other end of the table, it had one of the tightest ever relegation battles and set a record points total for a relegated side, which still stands today. And I'm afraid to say that the club that own that record are Crystal Palace. They have it. It's an unwanted one. Relegated on 49 points. A huge whopping 49 points, mm. which you can't imagine at the moment. Um, Oldham Athletic were the team that survived on goal difference. They had minus 11, which was two more than Palace at the time and there was a lot of drama on the final day of the season as well because Oldham won their final game against Southampton 4-3 whilst Palace lost 3-0 away to Arsenal so that had a huge effect on the the outcome and you look at Palace they they were 20th out of 22 teams it was 22 in the very first season of the Premier League Um, and that meant that they were only three points of 14th place that's how tight it had been wow that is tough Um, and yeah one to reflect on Yeah. Well, I'm going to wade in with when it happened, certainly the first time that it had occurred during the Premier League era. And that's that no team had been relegated by the time it got to the last day of the season. So all three relegation spots, I want to say up for grabs, but that's not quite the right right terminology because no one wants to grab them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, This involved four teams. So three spots to be decided, four teams. Uh, We had uh, Norwich City, Crystal Palace, uh, West Brom and Southampton, all involved in this melee at the bottom of the table. Three of those teams, Norwich, Palace and West Brom, had been promoted the season before, so they had the prospect of going straight back down. Southampton, they'd been uh, in the top league for some 27 years, so um, stalwarts there right at the top. And so thus started Survival Sunday. Now, I'm trying to remember whether it was the first so-called Survival Sunday with so much at stake, but it started with West Brom at the bottom, uh, Southampton Hampton and Crystal Palace one point ahead and then Norwich a further point ahead in the final safe spot. So as it stood, Norwich was safe. I was working at TalkSport TV at the time. It was the first time that we'd done TV coverage of the final day of the season and trying to keep up with it was a bit of a mare. It was a really budget TV studio. I had one producer in my ear. Um, I didn't even have a computer. I had the results on Sky Sports News. Um, I think I might even have had a teletext as well. I, (laughs) I can't remember, but it was mayhem trying to keep up with it all. What happened? Well, if Norwich were to win against Fulham, then they'd be safe. 
but they messed it up with a 6-0 loss. Okay, so Norwich, still not good for them. Southampton had the toughest gig at Man United. They were one all at half-time, but Ruud van Nistelrooy ruined their party, so Saints went down. West Brom, who'd started bottom, needed to win against Portsmouth, and they did, 2-0 for them. But in order for West Brom to be safe, they needed Crystal Palace to lose at Charlton. Tell me if you can't keep up. Palace started terribly, but they recovered in the second half, only for Charlton to equalise. So Palace couldn't do enough, essentially, and were consigned to relegation. And whilst that, that those that final games were, were uh, being being played out, the game at the Hawthorns involving West Brom had finished. And there were, the, of course, those, those typical scenes of the cameras concentrated on the crowd at the Hawthorns. And when they found out um, that they were safe, there was a big pitch invasion and they were playing Pompey. Pompey fans were celebrating too because, of course, in amongst that mix, Southampton had gone down. So there was double celebration at the Hawthorns uh, because of that result. So there we go. West Brom safe, Norwich, Southampton and Crystal Palace went down and it was it was drama on the pitch and it, it was drama for me. I remember finishing that shift and just collapsing in a chair out of sheer exhaustion, trying to hold it together on my own in a TV studio with one voice in my ear, desperately trying to keep up. Hayley, what about you? Yeah, that's brilliant, isn't it? Right, when you have a look back at last season, quite incredibly, when you looked at the bottom half of the League One table with what, a few weeks to go of the season, more than half of the sides in England's third tier were in real danger of facing the drop. Uh, That's right, 13 teams um, were looking relegation in the eye. Just three points separated 12th place Plymouth and then there was Walsall. So Bristol Rovers were in there, Accrington Stanley, Gillingham, Oxford United, uh, Wimbledon, Rochdale, Bradford City. Everybody was beating everybody. It was really quite an exciting end to the season there. But I just wanted to touch on quite briefly um, a team that literally um, saved themselves from relegation when I think bookies had even almost paid out on them facing the drop and that was Wigan in 2012 because it was Roberto Martinez's side who had one game to spare and they managed to save themselves. It was so yes. close again yes. at the bottom. Do you remember they, they had a terrible season and then they beat, you'll remember this one, um, Kate, Liverpool mm. 2-1 mm. on the 24th of March and that was at Anfield. Yeah, and I from know. then on, I don't know what had happened, but from a team that were rock bottom facing relegation they went on to win six win six of their final eight games I remember that because they beat Manchester United they also beat Arsenal and then they even managed to jump not just off the bottom of the table but away from the bottom three as well so I think Roberto Martinez deserves a huge pat on the back for what he did in that season they actually finished seven points clear of the bottom that season so the championship which is obviously I think one of the most exciting leagues in Europe just every single year surprising us with what happens down at the bottom there. Well, no one wants to interview, do they, a player or a manager after they're relegated. And it seems no one wants to interview Erling Haaland anymore. Let's cover that next. I ain't happy I'm feeling glad I got sunshine In a bag I'm useless But not for long the future All right, well, topic two is, I think, ironically named Sunny Disposition. Perhaps there's a bit of sarcasm thrown in there from our producer, Abby. Uh, Talking about the Erling Haaland interview, most people have seen it by now. Uh, His one-word answers to, you know, to be fair, quite direct questions, a bit like this. Is it the kind of message you want to send out? Yes. 
Would you tell us a message? To my fans. So it maybe didn't go quite to plan, but Linz, you've watched the full thing, haven't you? Yes, although I, I think there were a few different interviews doing the round um, from him after this because I think other people were getting involved and saying, yes, here's another example and another one. So let's just go with the weekend that's just gone, OK? Um, I watched that interview in full and it wasn't like that all the way through. However, you do sit on the fence here. I am a reporter myself. I, whether you feel an interview has gone on a bit long or whether you feel that the interviewer's questions have got a bit direct... Um, I, I don't think that there's any excuse for just having some manners and being able to give a better shaped, rounded answer. Um, and he did fall into that territory towards the end. But I do think it's worth stressing that if you listen to the interview as a whole, he wasn't like that all the way through. He no, did give he some better answers. And yeah, so and, and it's, it's a bit unfair, it, isn't it, if that's the only clip that you see? Yeah, it's also important to 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 throw in. This was obviously after the Schalke Dortmund game, and actually, I have to say, if you'd have played in that game, or in fact, if you'd have played football for the first time in a long time, you might be slightly wary about how you position your answers when you interview, because you know, as was the case with this, the world spotlight is on you. You know, anything you say is potentially going to be taken and run yeah, with. Yeah, but given that you know, up. you're saying the world spotlight was on him, it's now on him for being a bad interviewee. Yeah, and but, I'm not saying that is is the case, but no. it hasn't done him any favours. But it wasn't in his first language and it was clear that it wasn't in the interviewer's first language either. So that's, that's kind of the only other caveat I'd give to that. But that aside, I want some... Juicy gossip, please, ladies. Uh, I want to just revel in a few of our own awkward interviews. You don't have to name names. Obviously, it's good if you do. But I'd just like to know when moments when your interviews had gone a little bit wrong. Hayley, let's go to you. Oh, I'm going to name names. Why not? Name good. shame the former Manchester United players. Um, I was very lucky because obviously I worked for a club channel, MUTV. So um, the people I interviewed, whether they be fans or players or people that worked at the club, were all Manchester United fans. So um, and as the club's television channel, we got, you know, priority access when we were in the mix zone for various games and things. They always knew they had to come and speak to the club channel, but they didn't always want to. As you guys will probably know, it's it's the same kind of faces that you see that do a lot of the interviews at a lot of the clubs. It's kind of a pool. At Manchester United, it was um, normally John O'Shea, Darren Fletcher, Edwin van der Sar, Rio Ferdinand. You had kind of the usual suspects who would always turn up to do everything. And then there were usual suspects who you could bet a fiver on wouldn't turn up. And Paul Scholes was one of those. And I am so shocked that he's gone into media. I always, Yes, he's a good speaker. He has great opinion. He's not afraid to speak his mind. But the amount of times I waited for Paul Scholes to come and do an interview as part of his club channel you know, duties, which is part yeah. of their contract, and he just wouldn't turn up. Yeah, and it's, it's, a wonder, it's a wonder that TV channels actually then went to him, because I think if I was the yes. boss of a TV channel and I've had one player that's refused all the time, yeah, I, I think that really you have to reward those players that have been great speakers for the club, and they might not always be the star player, but there's some players right now that I can think of that really deserve a media career. because they, who, they, who? 
Like Glenn Murray at Brighton. I think yeah. he will have a really good career ahead of him. He always turns up, always talks and is very eloquent. But he might not be akin to Paul Scholes in terms of fame. But I, I do think that when it comes to media, you do need to have a little bit about you. And if you've been saying no for all your career, I don't care who you are, then Hayley, why, why would you want to then go and do it afterwards? It's funny, isn't it? Because quite often that the big names where people think, oh, I bet Ronaldo was a bit of a nightmare. He was just a joy. He, he wanted to be interviewed Obviously, he liked seeing himself on television. <laughs> profile, profile. Um, yeah, exactly. But he actually didn't really have that many friends. He spent time with his, his cousin and his mum who lived with them at the time. But I think he didn't really get out and mix and socialise with people. So I think he quite enjoyed the company of being around people who were interviewing him. He was always great mm. with us at MUTV and, 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 and the cameramen. He knew everybody's names and he'd sit. He wouldn't just come in, put his microphone on and have a, you know, do an interview. He'd have a chat. He'd sit around. He'd want to know what you were up to at the weekend. And it's those kind of relationships which are great rather than just sitting there and it being sit down interview go to get to know the person a little bit more there were quite a lot of people like that at Manchester United Ryan Giggs was a really good one who liked to have a bit of a chat and I've mentioned kind of John O'Shea and Darren Fletcher Mm. even Emmanuel Vidic and those whose you know first language wasn't English Patrice Evra was always a joy um, to interview so quite a lot of the big names were great and they would have a little bit of a chat but there were just a couple who were a nightmare I found Wayne Rooney always quite hard to interview as well I always felt like I made him nervous (laughs) not just me but I don't think it was you (laughs) But yeah, I was like, I'm just friendly. It's fine. I'm yeah, just no, ask you I know, but some of them are just naturally questions. not that yeah. comfortable. You know, it is an interesting one, Lindsay. You will relate to this. Some of my worst interview experiences have been working for the Premier League. I don't work for them anymore. You do, Lindsay. So I don't have to be necessarily careful about what I'm saying. And I say this with my tongue firmly in my cheek. It's not necessarily the uh, relevant questions, you know, about the game coming up or the team, the opposing team. Um, It's the questions that you get made to do, which are completely randomly nothing to do, often with football at all. Um, There was one awkward moment where I had to interview Jose Mourinho and um, the bit I was put pressure on the most by the producer to come back with was trying to get Jose to say, I think I've spoken about this in the podcast before, trying to say Happy New Year in Chinese several times over. And when you're sitting across a man who's looking at you thinking, why the hell are you asking me to do this? I'm a busy man. And, you know, talk about greatly overqualified. You don't get one of the most talented managers in the world to sit back and repeat Chinese lines to you for a laugh, do you? So that was excruciating. The other eek moment I had was not connected to the player, but connected to the press officer, because, of course, it's the press officer who facilitates you, doesn't it? And there was one particular press officer at Spurs who was um, who was not the warmest. And there'd obviously been a situation where perhaps the player didn't wasn't keen on doing the interview or there was some lateness involved or he was basically being pulled in lots of different directions this press guy with commitments and everything else because each Premier League team has to put up a player each week we got Christian Eriksen and throughout the whole interview Christian Eriksen was very lovely it was the press guy who sat about a metre off camera and huffed and scowled his way through the whole thing he was obviously having a bad day wasn't he this press officer which is which is which is which is absolutely fine. You can have a bad day. But it was just, it it, it was one of those moments where it didn't make me angry or annoyed. It makes me cringe thinking about it now because this poor press officer just so clearly was not up for this situation and just arms crossed, scowl on his face the whole way through. And when you're trying to speak nicely, warmly, relaxingly uh, to a person, particularly a player, that was not what I wanted to see out of the corner of my eye. Um, Lindsay, I'm sure you've got a few experiences for us. 
Well, yeah, I do. I mean, trying to narrow it down, really. Um, <laughs> let, let me let me talk through. I mean, some of them that I've been at fault at as well, might I say. I'm going to start with Meza Ozil because he's such a talented player, but I've not had much joy when it's come to interviewing him, I have to say. He's had to, in, in terms of those rounds, be put forward for interviews. And I've interviewed him, I think, for a sit-down interview on one occasion. That went absolutely fine. But post-match, um, if ever he's had a good performance, often you'll look at who's provided assists or who's got goals in a match when you're looking at who you want to request. And every time I've asked for him, and one occasion in particular stands out, he got two assists and a goal. And you think, well, if he's not going to talk today, yes. when is he? Yeah. Um, and he refused. He refused to do the interview, which which was his prerogative. But then Hector Bayerin was put up for the interview, to which Meza Ozil then came and disrupted my interview with Hector continuously so that really I felt a bit annoyed by that because I thought well I asked for you you didn't want to do it and now you're just disrupting yes yeah so um so that was one occasion when I remember feeling a bit a bit irked about that you spoke about foreign players that we don't hear from very often and of course the language barrier is something that we have to take into consideration but Sergio Aguero is someone that we don't hear from very often. He very rarely does interviews. He doesn't really like doing media. And he actually got put forward to me um, because he scored his 150th Premier League goal when, when Man City beat Southampton 6-1. And I got the opportunity to interview him and he, he was fine. I, I felt a little bit nervous because I thought I never, ever get to speak to him. And the, the questions had to be quite short and his answers were quite short, but it was nice to have been able to actually have done an interview on such an occasion me holding my hands up well uh, I know that Kate's aware of this I'm sure Hayley's seen it too I don't think you've spoken about this before though have you Liz? I haven't but it's long enough ago now I think when I very first started for the working for the Premier League I, I had headphones plugged into my iPhone going into an interview room. And of course, the final whistle goes and you're running and sometimes you don't have chance to check everything, although I do now. And I was about to interview Phil Jagielka, who was Everton captain at the time and Everton had lost. So it was really good that he was coming to do the interview. And a phone started ringing as the interview started. And bless him, my floor manager thought he was in the wrong and said, sorry, sorry, and threw his phone out the room. Um <laughs> So I just presumed it must have been him because he must have felt his phone vibrating, but the phone was still ringing and then I realised it was mine. <laughs> and then thankfully, and Phil let me do the interview from the beginning again. But oh my gosh, you just want the, the look world on to Phil Jagielka's face when he realises that you realise that it's you and he looks gutted <laughs> for you. Like he, like he looks like he's been told off by his manager for having a mobile phone in the canteen, except for he's not the one in the wrong. Uh, you are. But yeah, it's um, that will never fail to uh, not oh. make me laugh. All right, well, listen, I've got to round up on that topic because we're running over time. But yeah, a brilliant selection of anecdotes there. Thank you very much to both of you. Uh, next up, let's get stuck into our Sunshine 11. All right, so we've been celebrating the warm weather all show. It's only right, isn't it, that we bring the warm weather into our footballing lives with a sunshine 11. It's a fairly basic concept, anything to do with the sun, and can you involve it into a player's name? I say simple concept. Lindsay, this has foiled you before. <laughs> it's not simple for me. And I think it might foil you again. Uh, let's start with Hayley. So we're just going to go through one each, guys, and maybe towards the end we can nominate or producer Abby, who's listening in, of course, can 
nominate which ones she likes the best. Hayley. And we hear producer Abby has quite the selection herself. Producer Abby's been very mm. busy creating her own list. I think Mm. this is probably more of an outlet for her. I think this this is is probably more of an outlet for her good work. Well, yes. Um, Okay, Hayley. Yeah, well, mine are all current players. And I'm going to start with Sheffield United's Ollie McBurney. Ah, McBurney. Of course. Lindsay. This is my best one. It's not going to get any better than this. Luke Shawbriz and Cream. Yeah, well, that's sort of more Wimbledon themed, isn't it? I'm sorry, but you have strawberries in the summer. Did you know that there's a whole team dedicated to Sunshine? That's Sunshine Stars FC. They play in the Nigerian Premier League. So beat you and all your players. I've got a whole team full of Sunshine. Hayley. I've got Tottenham. This is good. Tangai. Ndombele. Tangai. (laughs) Now, speaking of Tottenham, there is another tan there as well, isn't there? Shall we we put one in for Tan Vertonghen? Or Emre Tan. Emre Tan. Well, it yes, would have been Vincent Tan, who is actually Tan, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, Lindsay, give us another one of your stunners. Hotter from Aston Villa. <laughs> Does what it says on the tin. Okay. Talking about doing what it says on the tin, Danny, drink water. Surely. Because it's hot. Drink water. Mm. Uh, Hayley. Clever. Right. If you head down to the south coast and if you're in Brighton, which you shouldn't be on a crowded beach right now, um, you might be in for a bit of... Dan Byrne. Byrne? Ah, <laughs> yes. Byrne, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, well done. Um, I like it. Very good. Um, let's go to, well, in fact, producer Abby had waded in with Burnt Leno as well, the Arsenal goalkeeper. Oh. Um, Lindsay? I don't know whether this would be allowed because his middle name I'm Probably using here, not. but go Kurt on. Happy Zuma, because you're happy in the sunshine. Okay, it's a stretch. No. Uh, okay. Kevin De Bruyne, Kevin De Brown. That's not particularly oh good, is God. it? But that's no. about as good as I could come up with. That now, that's Pan the worst Dyke. of all of them. Oh, I'm right. not going to let this go because I get so much stick. So when you give a worse one than me, I'm going to just highlight it. Okay. My, my, yeah, my last one isn't as good as the other three absolute worldies that I gave you, obviously. But this mm. is how you feel a little bit like, you know, Lindsay said there, you're um, full of joy when the sun comes out. Joy McKenna of Watford. It's a bit loosely connected, <laughs> if I'm honest. Lindsay? Petter check you've got sun cream on. Now, that's a good one. <laughs> but I know it isn't yours. <laughs> I've also you've got another busted. one. I've got one more from producer Abby. Day on love room when it's hot. Don't, I, oh. yeah, I don't, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, again, loose. I did go a bit Lindsay, uh, not just Kevin DeBrown, um, the, the example, but David Silver. I was thinking, could you do David Slither on your sunscreen? Oh no. God, no. no. See, okay, you know, no. if everyone says I'm I'm not allowed, you're not allowed. My manager is Kenny No Need for a Jacket. <laughs> now that's quite good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. good. Yeah. Uh, producer Abby's manager is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Sol being Sol, the sun, of course. of course. Games to be played at the Stadium of Bright. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else um, from you, Hayley? Um, no, I, I've pretty much given you the the best I can possibly find. I know I've failed miserably again. It was quite hard. I literally went onto Soccer Base and went through every single player from every <laughs> oh single my goodness, team. Dude. Just trying That's to find it. It is commitment. Um, um, the only one I can add in is Nikki Summerby, and that's an older school one oh, from yes. Man City. But it's still quite days, good. But... And Sunji High as well, ex-Palace and City. Um, mm-hmm. Add that one in. Anything else from producer Abby we like? 
Um, she's put Christian Eriksen Shine. I'm, I'm not sure about Eriksen that one, Abby. Sorry, oh, that's not your best work, I don't think. I think um, it's the delivery, Eric's Sunshine. All right. Uh, Barice, <laughs> Barice Cream Samba. I like that one. Uh, thank you. Um, Producer Abby, in my ears, where is the award going to for the best name? Me. <laughs> she's giving herself the award, folks. But <laughs> Which one? <laughs> But what, if you, you had to take yourself name? out oh. of the equation, Abby, come on. Um, I'm going to give it to Luke Shawberries and Cream. Oh, yes! Yes! I can't believe you've stolen it there with a Wimbledon-themed... You take that intro back. OK. Well done to Lindsay Hooper, who wins our Sunshine 11. Uh, next up, it's the bit with the stuff you might not have picked up during the week. Any other business? All right, well, to finish off the show, the bits that you might have missed during the week, any other business, doesn't have to have a sunshine theme, this one. Uh, Let's go straight to you, Lindsay, because yours is, quite frankly, epic this week. (laughs) I'm picking up on a theme from last week's podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go and download. We were talking about ways of creating that atmosphere in the stadium. Um, Hayley, Kate and I putting ideas forward of how to get that fan experience and make it better on the players as well for when they want to celebrate a goal and look into the stands. And what did they do in the K-League for FC Seoul? They decided to fill the stadium with sex dolls in the stands. I mean, it wasn't intentionally, though, was it? With sex well, dolls. They were just they blow intended. up mannequins, right? They didn't realise what they, their purpose was, um, <laughs> I suppose. But they still use them. And I mean, in all of our suggestions, which were really out there, some of them, um, we didn't even get anywhere near this. And this was actually done <laughs> um they have now got a 100 million won fine if you're wondering what that is in english pounds ran about sixty-six thousand pound fine wow. for doing that but yes an innovative way to try and create a crowd and do you know what the south koreans are so um reserved and you know dignified really really lovely people that they would i mean this is just the just the one of the worst nations for this to happen to um i'm just having a flashback memory to when i was in South Korea and I was presenting a world sailing tour and I was in a in a sauna which you're naked in a sauna and three South Korean ladies ran over to me I'm naked I was really shy and bashful and I wasn't really wanting to be in there and they came over and went oh we saw you on the big screen (laughs) (laughs) well for mine I'm going to move on from sex dolls to sticky balls if we're going with this theme. There have been issues, ladies, with the disinfectant that clubs are using in the Premier League to spray on footballs. This is part of hygiene measures. In a reaction with the hot weather, um, this disinfectant's made the balls sticky and caused the surfaces that come into contact with them to be tacky, and that's affected movement. So whether you like it or not, players are feeling like messy at the moment with the balls glued to their feet. (laughs) Not intentional, um, but sticky balls an issue at the moment as players return to no contact training. Uh, Hayley, let's finish up with you. Oh, oh gosh, you know what? Mine's not funny, but it's lovely because, of course, we had stories about footballers doing um, completing military service, didn't we? When we had our big VE Day celebratory um, podcast and we chatted about some of the heroes of the war. And, yeah, kind of touching on Lindsay's South Korea experience, although not touching <laughs> Don't anybody. Don't touch on make, it. Yeah. Um, but it kind of <laughs> ties in nicely. It's good to see 
Son Hyun Ming, who's actually back from completing military service. He's been out in South Korea and he's been proudly showing off on social media that he's back, he's feeling good. And he was photographed holding up a big certificate to say he'd completed um, his military service yet again in his uh, lovely uniform, looking very dashing indeed. Didn't he, in true uh, Son style, have to be the best as well? Yeah, so there are these awards. And when he was doing his training course just last week, he picked up an award. He was uh, the top performer among 157 trainees on this specialist military course. So he received the Pilsung Prize, which is uh, one of five types of award for best performance. So there you go. And he was exposed to tear gas. He went on hikes. Uh, they did weapons training. Um, they also trained with the Marines. Um, it's compulsory, as we know, for all able-bodied South Korean men to serve around two years in the military. But they do say in South Korea, athletes who go on to win gold at the Asian Games or a medal of any colour at the Olympics receive exemptions, which is a bit oh. random. But there you go. Hmm. So well there done. We he's, he's, an abs- he's a hero at Spurs and a hero amongst his um, military crew. Yeah, very good indeed. All right, ladies, we're going to wrap things up just there with all this uh, talk of sunshine through the show. I feel uh, my sun lounger, my bit of rattan outside calling me. Perhaps I'll slap some sun cream on uh, and get back out there again. I trust it's the same for you two as well. It's we- doing tennis. Oh, that's right. So, Lindsay, you're off to play tennis this evening. It's it's going to be hot, though. It's going to be hot. Mm. Make sure you uh, slap on the sun cream for that, too. Hayley, you're going to be sat in your garden marvelling at this huge wooden uh, structure that your very able fiancé has constructed. Quite, but I'll have to do it in the shade because when you have a seven-month-old baby, they can't be in the sun, so she's ruining... Stay safe, yes. Yes, any chance of me getting a tan. I have, however, today purchased do you remember that sauce that you squirt on ice cream that goes hard when it's cold i've got some of ah, that amazing oh, that's, that's magic treat shopping. of the day yep so you know all, you know all that weight that i, I lost i'm steadily yeah. managing to put it back on <laughs> uh well folks if you're listening and uh, you want to check out more from the offside rule head to social media at offside rule pod we're on twitter and on instagram um, i'm sure you've got some better sunshine 11 suggestions than us so send them in if you do our website offside rule podcast is there with all the latest musings and um, some good interviews there actually Manchester United and Wales midfielder Hayley Ladd has been speaking to our editor Tom Dean there's a few other um, good bits of interview pieces in there as well so do check it out enjoy your sunbathing ladies have a lovely rest of week and weekend and we'll hear from you next time The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising email sales at muddykneesmedia.com Marini's Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.